0: Love can make us do crazy things, and it can give us confidence we didn't even know we had. So what kind of crazy thing have you done for love? That's today on our podcast. Hey everyone, it's Karen G. from the Tower Hill Communications team. Thanks for tuning in to our weekly podcast. You can listen here every week to catch up on all of our latest sermons, and we hope that what you hear inspires you to want more so that you'll continue on your own personal faith journey. So Advent continues this week as we lead up to Christmas. So let's kick it off to Pastor Jason Tucker right now for part two of our new sermon series called The Promise.
1: Good morning, Tower Hill Church Online. I'm Pastor Jason. It's great to be with you again today. However you're watching us, wherever you're watching us from, may you feel as welcome and connected as you are. And I want to encourage you, if you live outside of our area and you're watching us, if you ever come by and visit, please say hello. We'd love to meet you. We'd love to make you feel at home. But well, we're in our second week of Advent in this message series called The Promise. It's looking at the promises of God, of course, for Jesus Christ to be born, but also Jesus Christ to be born in our lives. What that means for us, how it transforms who we are. Our Savior has truly come and he will continue to come over and over again. And what does that mean? What does that mean for us and how are we supposed to live accordingly? Last week, we talked about, you know, life in the pandemic and how moments like this in our lives unexpectedly change things forever. It's like 9-11 and my kids will never know. They used to be able to go to drop people off at the airport and walk them to the gate. I mean, that just blows their mind. Like, what are you talking about? There's no security? No, it was just a whole different world. And of course, in what we've all experienced over the last two years, it changes things forever. And it's been a tough road for all of us. It's been a tough road. And you kind of throw on top of that all the isolation that's happened and then sort of like all the animosity that's been triggered by social media. And let's just say we all need a little Christmas now. I mean, people are craving it so much. They're craving what we talk about in Advent. Think about what we talk about in Advent. What are the themes of Advent? Hope, love, joy, peace, which is exactly what we are searching for. And for some of the for some of us we know where to find it. And for others, we are still searching. Advent of course means coming or arrival. To be a Christian is to be living in a perpetual season of Advent. We're always waiting upon the Lord to show up. So what does it look like to wait faithfully? Well, the first thing we said last week, it's an active waiting. It's not um, wishful thinking. It's active waiting. It's not passive waiting like, oh, you know, I'm just going to sit on my couch and hopefully God will do something in my life or show up in my life. No, it's a, it's a waiting that's like a preparing, like when a baby's coming. Those nine months are not a passive waiting. You are preparing actively for the child to show up. So what does it look like to live in this season of waiting, of faithful waiting? Well, first of all, we said last week it looks like hope, which was our first theme. Christian hope is different than uh, any other kind of hope because Christian hope is based on the concrete things that God has done for us. Hope is based on trust, we talked about. And when it comes to God, if God has promised something, hope is a certainty in that thing coming to pass. It's not maybe, it's will be. In other words, because God has promised that he will n- never leave me or forsake me, because God has promised that he will be God with me, I can trust that. Because God has promised that he's got plans to prosper me and not to harm me, to give me hope in the future. I can trust that when I'm going through some dark times. Not maybe. Maybe I'll get through this. but No, no, no will be because my hope is based on what Jesus has done. So if you want to hear more about that message, go back to last week where we talk all about hope. And today we get to talk about love. Ah, yes, love. (laughs) Everybody loves talking about love, right? Romantic comedies. And I don't know if you've seen many romantic comedies, but you know, they're sort of all the same. It's all about love and following your heart. And what does that mean? And Listen, for a society that talks about love so much, I I think we don't really understand it. Or let's just say we're easily swept up in it, but we always don't know where it's going to carry us. Um, In fact, we do crazy things for love, don't we? Raise your hand if you have ever done a crazy thing for love. All right. Now, listen, if you're watching this at home by yourself, there is no reason not to admit in front of me. It's okay. We're friends. You've done some crazy things for love. I know, I've done some crazy things. I I remember uh, in eighth grade, I memorized an entire Chicago album. I know, it was like, um, there were horse and buggies and everything. It was a long time ago. But I memorized an album to impress a girl that I thought I was in love with. And I I, I committed to memory every lyric so that I could have something to talk with her about. And you know, I never talked to that girl again. Anyway, I love Chicago to this day, but we all do crazy things. Oh yeah, I'll I'll drive, you know, I'm in college. Oh yeah, I'll drive eight hours to go see somebody for the weekend because ah, I'm in love. I'll do anything. We do crazy things for love. So I did a quick web search and since I found it on the web, you know it's true. Um, I found a web search about like just stories about crazy things people did for love and it took me to this glamour.com article, which is really where I get all good sermon material. Um, <laughs> about your know, crazy things. They had readers sort of contribute. What are some crazy things you've done for love? And I just, I thought these two stories are really funny. The first is, uh, someone says, I joined a winter touch football team because there was a guy on the team uh, with an open spot and I thought he was cute. So every Saturday morning, even in below freezing temperatures, <laughs> they, I'm sure like never questioning I'd bundle up and play football in an attempt to get his attention. While I wasn't very good at catching footballs, I must have caught his eye because we were dating by spring. All right, yeah, I mean, it's a little crazy, especially if, like, football's not your thing, but you do it just so you can get the attention of that person that you're trying to get the attention of. Um, But this one I just found very entertaining, this next one. I once flew from Chicago to Connecticut to fix my girlfriend's hot water heater. Because I thought she was considering leaving me for another guy. <laughs> it ended up not being enough to stop her at the time. <laughs> but now we're married. Oh, listen, I don't know how true these stories are, but that, that one's funny. But we do crazy things for love. Chicago to Connecticut to fix the water heater. Um, yeah. But speaking of crazy things for love, I mean, listen, I've, I've done crazy things. My wife, Karen, talk about crazy things for love. This is a picture of Irvine, California. This is where... Karen was going to college when we met and got engaged. And since I was already uh, had a job, a full-time job as a youth director outside of Philadelphia, she decided she was going to leave Irvine and come to Philadelphia. Of course, she moves out here in the beginning of February. We're like, all there are are dead trees. And there was some snow on the ground, but it was like, Not the kind of snow that's like new fallen snow that looks really nice. It's like brown snow, right? It's like after it's been a few weeks, you know, and it's still kind of there. And if you ever have her tell this story, it's really funny because your heart just goes out to her. She leaves Irvine, which is perfect. It's like perfect weather, palm trees, people cut their grass with like scissors. It's perfect. It's beautiful. And, you know, everybody's tan. And and she comes to Philadelphia and it's this barren wasteland and she's driving from the airport And she's just like, what have I done? Listen, we do crazy things for love. Thank God she didn't just get back on an airplane and leave. We do crazy things for love, though, don't we? We do crazy things for love right now at Christmas time. What do we do? We overspend. We overdeliver on gifts. Whether or not the people even deserve it, we just love them so much. We want to give, give, give even more than we should. And some of the gifts we get are maybe a little crazy. But it's because of love. But what happens when you pour out all this crazy love, so to speak, and the people don't accept it? What does that feel like for us, right? Like Uncle Louie from uh, <laughs> from Christmas Vacation, right? The blessing. Right? <laughs> Since you've got nothing better to do, Grizz, go get my stogie. Right? Well, what happens when when we do all of this? I mean, that's the story of that movie, right? Is that Clark Griswold's doing everything for his family and they are just not appreciating the love. So what happens to us when we do that? Well, we feel resentment and we can get angry and we can be depressed and it stings. And the, and the deeper the love, the, the deeper the sting that we feel. And then it got me thinking, what must it be like for God who gave everything? so that we could live, laid down his own life at the hands of his own creation that he loved so much and all they did was reject him and crucify him. What must it feel like every single day for God to give us this gift of life, this gift of the opportunity of a relationship with God and for us to just reject him every day? I couldn't imagine that sting. Now for us, human beings, we would tend to give up on that kind of love, wouldn't we? Like somebody rejects us over and over and over again. Eventually, hopefully, we'll learn the lesson and we just won't put ourselves in that situation. We'll just stop offering the gifts. But this isn't how God works. Thank God it's not how he works. But let's get into some of our scriptures as we think about love, the promise of God, what it means for us during this Advent time, And what does it mean for us as we live our lives of faith? Let's go back to the Old Testament. You know, a lot of the scriptures that we read around this time of year are based uh, in Old Testament prophets because a lot of those prophets were prophesying that the Messiah would come. And so there's this natural connection between Old Testament, New Testament in this moment when we're talking about Jesus' birth. So a lot of our scriptures that are quoted in the New Testament are from the prophet Isaiah who prophesied that a Savior is going to come. Let's go back to Isaiah, and let's look at what was going on in the nation of Israel. Actually, at that time, it was two kingdoms, a southern and a northern. Northern was Israel. Southern was Judah, and things weren't going great. It had been years of things going wrong, and God's people getting conquered, and God's people, and all of these things happening. People, uh, leaders who didn't really care what God thought anymore, and all these Basically, the nation of Israel that once was great was now splintered. And we have King Ahaz in the south. He was king of the southern kingdom of Judah, where Jerusalem is. You see on our map there. And he reigned for 16 years between 732 and 716 B.C. Now, at the time, the Assyrian Empire was conquering everything and everyone. And he was afraid that the Assyrians would come and conquer Judah. So he decided he was going to put together a coalition. Actually, he was approached by this coalition to see if he wanted to join them for protection. And that's the northern kingdom of Israel and Damascus or Syria. And the problem is both of those kings, it was a setup. They wanted to get Ahaz on their team so eventually they could conquer him. But Ahaz was convinced this was the power play. Get into this coalition so we can avoid the Assyrians. Now this says a little bit about Ahaz and the kind of king he was. 2 Kings 16 puts it this way. says, Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 16 years. Unlike David, his father, he did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord his God. And when it says uh, David, his father, it's really talking about the Davidic line. David wasn't actually his father, father, but they would say Father David because he was in that Davidic line of kings he was in the bloodline of David somewhere down the road so um, so that was kind of common to say that but he was not doing what was right in the eyes of the Lord at all and then you have the prophet Isaiah step in and if you remember when we've talked about passages like this before prophets and kings had interesting relationships the prophets were sent by God to be the corrective force on the king to say hey look this is what God says, and you're doing it wrong. You, you should do this because this is what God is saying. So you can imagine prophets were not the most popular people in the building. But Isaiah counsels Ahaz to trust God, not these foreign powers. It's not going to work out for you. Trust in God. God will be all the protection you need. What you need, Ahaz, is more faith. You need to accept this gift that God wants to give you, and you need to believe it. And you need to act accordingly. So uh, here's the passage that talks about what happens after that. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, ask the Lord your God for a sign, whether in the deepest depths or in the highest heights. Can you imagine, by the way, God offering you? Ask for any sign you want to show that I'm going to be with you, that I'm going to see you through this hard time. Whatever it is, just ask. Highest heights, deepest depths, ask what it is. I mean, what a gift. Here's what Ahaz says. But Ahaz said, I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. This is a funny verse here because at first glance, it seems like, oh, well, he seems to really take the Lord seriously. But actually, it was was a sham. You see, it was really like false humility. The truth is, he doesn't want to hear what God has to say. He's already decided in his head, he's going to do this coalition. And Isaiah comes on and says, no, no, you trust God. Ahaz has like, I've already made up my mind. So, so actually, it's sort of an insult where God says, you know, ask for a sign. And he says, no, 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 I will not ask. I will not put the Lord to the test. You could tell um, by Isaiah's reaction after that. But what does God do? God gives the gift anyway. Okay, even though you are being foolish, you're rejecting the love that, that I'm offering, the gift of love that I'm offering, I'm going to give it to you anyway. And this really speaks, I think, sometimes more to God's heart than just about anything else. That in the face of rejection, every step of the way, God still offers love. He still offers his love and truth, his gifts, his blessings. He still offers those things. And that's the thing that's like so drastically different from our human experience. Because that's not how we work. But it's how God, God is relentless in the love he continues to offer. Then Isaiah said, hear now, you house of David. Isn't that enough to try the patience of humans? Will you try the patience of my God also? So Isaiah Isaiah sees through what Ahaz is saying. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Okay, wait, you didn't ask for a sign? Well, guess what? He's going to give you one anyway. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. He'll be eating curds and honey when he knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right. For before the boy knows enough to reject the wrong and choose the right, the land of the two kings you dread will be laid waste. So even facing rejection, God still provides a way out. He still provides an answer. He still provides a sign that something's coming that's going to save my people, and it's going to be me. It's not going to be your really smart, brilliant plan to make this coalition. All that's going to be laid waste. I'm still going to save my people, whether you believe I am or not. Even facing rejection, God provides a way out. Talk about doing crazy things for love. I think we come by it honestly. Because God does the craziest things for love. God loved us so much. He decided to become one of us, to be rejected at our hands, crucified at our hands, and continue rejecting him as he continually offers us his gift of love. That's crazy. That's undeserved. I think of all the times that I've just turned my back on the promise, turned my back on, on Jesus because I want to do what's convenient or expedient or easy. And I don't receive what God wants to give. I, I get locked into my plans and what I want to see happen. And I don't trust that all I need is to trust. Is God's going to be with me every step of the way? God does crazy things for love, and that's loving us without end. Now, what's interesting to me is so this prophecy about Jesus is the connecting point between Ahaz and the story of Jesus' birth in the New Testament. Isaiah 9-2 puts it this way, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. So it's this promise that Jesus is to come and he's going to bring light into the darkness, this darkness that we're all facing. And this is the same prophecy that's quoted in Matthew four sixteen. Um, later on. And so we see there's this connection between Ahaz and what's happening in Isaiah's time and what happens when Jesus is born. The idea of light and darkness is kind of like humanity's in a dark cave and Jesus comes into the world and provides light. And for the first time we see the cave. We see how dim the walls are. We see how dirty it is around us. We see how difficult and and broken the cave really is. We start to get a sense that there's something more than this cave. And then Jesus calls us to live life outside the cave. Follow me. Jesus is also kind of the door to the great wide open of God's kingdom. And then this light of God's kingdom It is a process that keeps growing and growing. It's exponential, the kingdom of God, until one day when Jesus comes again, all of us will live outside the cave and into God's glorious light. Light isn't just a small point that illuminates the cave anymore. It illuminates all reality itself. We live between these two advents. And what we learn is, okay, well, so then what's the faithful way to live during this time? It has everything to do with the story of Ahaz, and here the story of Joseph. I find it fascinating to compare these two because they're both connected by this prophecy. Here's Matthew chapter 1. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. First of all, could you even get your head around that? Like, imagine being Joseph. Talk about Not being sure what to trust in. I mean, my goodness, there were plenty of opportunities for this to go sideways. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. This is so important. Faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. What do we learn about this? We learn that Joseph is the absolute opposite of Ahaz. He, you know, Ahaz, who did not do what was right in the eyes of the Lord, Joseph goes way the other way. Like, he wants to so much do right, even in the face of this, of this woman, Mary, who's pregnant. I mean, my goodness, what would they tell you to do with that? It, it would be, well, you, you have every right to leave her and divorce her, and she would become, uh, you, you know, it would be a big public issue with her, and she would be publicly shamed for that. But he didn't want to do that to her. Why? Because he loved her. He wanted to just divorce her quietly. Joseph was a man of God's law. He was a man of God's heart and God's crazy love. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Notice Joseph, son of David. So yes, Joseph also from the Davidic line. So now you have this contrast between Ahaz and Joseph quite explicitly, both sons of David. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet. Right? And and here's the prophecy that we just read. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. In other words, he heard what God had said and it showed up in his life. He received what God had to give and he acted accordingly. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. So he did what was asked of him. Confusing? Difficult? I, yeah, of course it was. But he did what, why? Because he trusted in God. He knew of God's love, and he knew that if he trusted God, that love would show up in his life exactly as it was supposed to. So here you have Ahaz, son of David, who rejects the gift of God, who can't share it with anybody, who trusts in himself more than God's voice. And then by contrast, you have Joseph, son of David, who accepts the gift shares with Mary, and trusts in God more than he trusts himself. And incidentally, Ahaz's life, Ahaz's choice led to ruin, not surprisingly. Joseph's led to glory, led to life. And this is really what God wants for us. A lot of people get it in their heads that God just wants something from us, or we're supposed to obey the rules because God wants to kill our good time, right? (laughs) No. God wants to hand us a gift, the gift of our lives. Why? Because he loves us that much. But it's up to us if we're going to accept it or not. And we can choose to reject it, but we'll pay the price for that. So what does it mean to live with God-sized love? Well, the first is you got to accept it. And so I want to ask you today, have you accepted the gift of God's love through Jesus Christ? What do I mean? Do you believe? Do you believe in him? Have you put your faith in him? It starts with an open hand accepting this gift that God wants to give you, the promise of life forever with him. But then the second part of living with God's high love is you have to experience it. You have to actually live it. It's got to show up in your life. Allow it to dictate the terms of how you live, like Joseph. Joseph didn't have all the answers. He didn't know. He just, knew, he just knew that he trusted in the promises of God. And if you've heard God saying something for his life, he acted accordingly, no matter how crazy it might have sounded. But he didn't hold it to himself either. He shared it. He shared it with Mary. What are we doing? Are we sharing it? Are we sharing the gift of God's love with other people? I mean, listen, like we said in the beginning, people are hurting out there. They are desperate to be loved. And what they don't realize is God is offering with open arms the gifts of his love constantly. But people are continuing to reject it. We got to keep sharing it. We got to keep reminding the world where this love comes from. Listen, God does crazy things for love, and we should too. We should sacrifice whatever it takes to make sure that people know the love of God. Not in an in a over-the-top kind of crazy way that makes people discredit us, but in a faithful, open, consistent way that shows we're every bit trying to live into the love that we've been given. And when we do that, we don't just believe in the promise of God, we live the promise. Our Savior has come, He is hope, He is love, and He is with us.